You are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pittsfield campus. Amen. Amen. I feel like I should have an air guitar. <laughs> Maybe not. Welcome. So uh, thank you for being here today. It's already been a great day, right? Amen. And it's just going to get better. I don't care what the weather's like. It's spring. It's just going to get better. Thank you for being here, and, and uh, just Easter was really great, and uh, you know, it's always great to, to be here on Easter, to, to, to see everyone and to gather, and, but you know what? Jesus is still risen. He's still a risen Savior. It's not just Easter that we talk about that or get to celebrate that or get to, to really uh, understand what that means. He's our risen Savior today and tomorrow and the next day, every day. We celebrate it on Easter for sure, but let's celebrate that every day. Every day that Jesus is alive and he's risen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I know I've, I've been talking with you over the uh, past few weeks, maybe four or five weeks. We talked about praying about a youth group here in Pittsfield. And um, thank you so much for doing that. Thanks for praying along with us. And um, so tomorrow night we're going to have a first uh, kind of an informational meeting about a youth group in Pittsfield. If, if for anyone who's interested, whether you have a teenager and you think you're, that, that they might be interested or... If you're just interested to know what's going on and what, what this youth group is going to look like, you can be here tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Uh, we're going to kind of just talk about, kind of flesh it out, see what it's going to look like and how it's going to go as we move forward to starting a, a youth group here in Pittsfield. Because you know what? There are lots and lots of teenagers in Pittsfield who desperately need to know Jesus. They desperately need to know Jesus. Because you know what? We desperately needed to know Jesus too. And somebody reached out to us. Somebody came to us. And so we want to offer those same opportunities for some of the kids and the youth here in town. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Mark talked about all the good stuff that we've done already this year. Throughout the winter, you know, we talked about roots and, the, and God's whisper and all those great things. And now we're going to get into uh, this new series that we're calling Go. And what, the, what we're going to talk about is... Go. It's pretty simple. Simple concept and how we can go into the world, into our neighborhoods, into our marketplace, into our jobs, and be a light for Jesus and be evangelist for Jesus. Even though we might not be preachers, we might be really shy and we might, God may have really made us in a different way, a way that we're not uh, uh, preaching the gospel, but we can live the gospel and we can show people. So that's what we're going to be talking about for these next few weeks. Uh, we're going to be talking about going. And if we look at Jesus, you know, his, his last words to us here before he ascended to heaven, what was the very first word that came out of his mouth when he was giving us what we call the Great Commission? Go. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he says, go. This is Jesus speaking. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're going to be baptizing here in a couple of weeks. That's going to be exciting, right? Everybody's going to go and get in the river? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe we'll have some warm water in here. But we're going to be baptizing disciples, new disciples. We're going to baptize here, teaching them to observe. And so we want to be able to teach people to observe what Jesus commanded us. And behold, he says, behold, Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's with us always. So he tells us to go, but he doesn't send us, tell us to go and then just leaves us be. He's with us all the ways. He's always with us. 
And then there's Grace Capital Church's mission statement, which we try to incorporate the Great Commission because really that's Jesus' mission statement and we shouldn't get too far away from that, right? So our mission statement here at Grace Capital Church is go and create communities that develop people, families, and leaders to know and enjoy the presence of God and to restore every person, town, and city. Did you get that? To know and enjoy the presence of God? You know, I think there's a lot of people out there in this town that know about God, but I'm not so sure that there's a lot of people out there that know about God and enjoy his presence. Don't understand the joy of God's presence in us. So that's what we want to we teach about. We want to show people that we can not only know God, and you know, he's not some guy out here that we've got to be afraid of that's going to zap us if we do something wrong. No, not only do we get to know him, we get to enjoy him, enjoy all the blessings that he provides for us, enjoy the life that he provides for us, enjoy the purpose that he's given each one of us, and then to restore every person, town, and city, every person, town, and city. And for us in this room, that means the people, towns, and cities close by, Pittsfield, the, 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 the towns close by, Barnstead and Epsom and Chichester, Pittsfield, Northwood, all those towns close by. So you might say that it really is in us to go. It's in us. God has put it in us. Jesus spoke the Great Commission over us. He's instilled that into our DNA because once we become followers of Jesus, we want to do what he instructs us to do, what he tells us to do, what he shows us to do. So he kind of puts that in us, that go. And he's made that a part of who we are as, as a Christ follower. You might say it's, it's really part of our identity in Christ, part of who he's made us to be, to go and make disciples. One of my very first ministry assignments here at Grace Capital Church was to oversee missions and outreach for the church. This was probably 10, 11 years ago Then I was asked to do that, and, and I love that. That's, a, that's probably the greatest job of any church because you get to go out and meet people, and you get to go out and, and see needs and help meet needs, and you connect people who can meet a need that you see, and it's really a great job. But I have to tell you that when I first got that assignment, I was more focused on the missions piece of it than on the outreach piece. I was more interested in the going overseas and, and the missionaries overseas. Because, you know, I had sort of, I had found myself. I had uh, come back to the Lord on a short-term mission trip. And so that was very near and dear to my heart. I was very passionate about mission trips, about short-term trips, about missionaries around the world. And I didn't see as much of a need to focus in my own community, right? Because we're in America. This is a Christian nation, Right? Everybody knows Jesus in America, right? We're a Christian nation. Well, not so much. Not so much. And then didn't, didn't Jesus tell us, remember the, the story of the Good Samaritan when the guy asked him, who is my neighbor? And Jesus basically says, everybody is our neighbor. Everyone is our neighbor, whether they're sitting next to us here or whether they're around the world in another country. We're all neighbors. And then didn't Jesus tell us later on to t that, that we need to love our neighbors just like we love ourselves? So what, is, what does all that look like? And, and how am I supposed to love myself and love my neighbor? And how, just how does all that work? How does it work? So we're going to kind of dig into that a little bit today. We're going to dig into that and, and learn how to love our neighbor because God does ask all of us to love our neighbors. He asks that of all of us. And not only do we, does he want us to love them, He wants us to love them as much as we love ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I love myself. I try to take care of myself as best I could. And, and God wants us to love our neighbors that way. 
And sometimes when God talks about our neighbors, he's talking about everyone around the world. But sometimes when God talks about our neighbors, he's talking about that guy in the house next door. That family in the house across the street. That single mom that lives two doors down. Our neighbors who are in close proximity to us. So for this series go, we're going to be covering all aspects of going. We're going to be talking about going to our neighbors today. Our neighbors, those that are right close to us, right around us, physically. We're going to be talking next week. We might have a special guest speaker next week. Pastor Kathy might be speaking. So you want to come for that, right? She's going to be talking about going to the world. About praying and giving and partnering and going. I probably shouldn't have said that. But she is. And she's going to do an amazing job. Amen? Because God has called her to do that. And then later we're going to be talking about going to the lost and the least. And Pastor Mark covered these too. And, and then we're going to talk about going to the marketplace where we work and go to school and where we do the things we do from day to day, from week to week. But so for today, though, as I'm talking about neighbors, specifically for today, our neighbor is that family that lives next door, the family across the street, the single mom, the single guy over here. Those are our neighbors, the ones that we can... When you're sitting, standing in your kitchen window, you can see your neighbors. When you're standing in your living room and you're looking out, you can see your neighbors. Those are the ones we're talking about today when we talk about neighbors. And I would venture to say that we all have them. We all have neighbors. I know some of us may live in a bigger piece of land where you can't see your neighbors as well or you can't see their houses as well, but all of us have someone who lives pretty close to us, proximity-wise, in our neighborhood. For almost all of us, we have neighbors who live close by. And so God calls us to love those neighbors too, just like we love ourselves. And, you know, we, we might not like that part about what God tells us to do because our neighbors might be a little bit annoying. You know, when you live close to somebody long enough and they get up at 6.30 in the morning and start their lawnmower on a Saturday, it may be hard to love them. But God tells us we need to love them nonetheless, right? Does he tell us we have to like it? Nope. Does he tell us we have to do it anyway? Yes. Yes. So I think the easiest way to make that happen, the easiest way, is just for us to just to make a choice. To make a choice to love our neighbor cheerfully. Regardless of how they respond, regardless of how they react, regardless of how annoying their kids might be or their dog that comes and does stuff in our yard, we can love our neighbor. We can choose to do that cheerfully. And then we can ask God, to show us how to do that. It's his idea anyway, remember? And I think if it's God's idea, if he's telling us to do something, then he's going to show us how. i got to believe that he'll help us and he'll guide us as we make that conscious effort to love and to serve our neighbors cheerfully and happily. And then, you know, an easy way to, to, to really think about that is because, you know, Jesus does say, and we'll get to this in a minute in Scripture, that we need to love our neighbors like we love ourselves. Well, I don't know, but I think a lot of us kind of find it easy to love ourselves and, and kind of find it easy sometimes to pamper ourselves. I know for me, I got a haircut a few days ago, about a week ago. And, you know, I don't really need to go to any kind of a special barber. I don't really have that much hair, right? You can say it. It's okay. <laughs> but I do because I enjoy going to the barber shop. 
you know, it's a guy thing. They put the, the hot foam on and, and trim around and make you feel really manly, put the hot towel. You know, it's really, it's a good thing. So even though, you know, Kathy could cut my hair and do a fine job, she did it for a while and it was fine. There was no problem with it. But no, I enjoyed the, the extra pampering, you know. It's not, not a whole lot of money extra to get a haircut every six or eight weeks. But I do that. I go the, I go the extra step. I do the extra for myself because I just enjoy the manliness of getting a haircut at a nice manly barbershop, right? And that's how we can love our neighbor too. We can go the extra step. We can think, well, how can I go one step beyond and maybe wow them a little bit? How can I go one step beyond with my neighbor and show them that I really do love them and I really do care about them? That I'm not just going to say, yep, I pray for my neighbor. They're over there. I'm praying for them. I love them. God bless them. Bless your heart. How can we go beyond that and take the next step? Go one step further with them. Well, we're going to go to the book of Mark as we get into Scripture today. Mark 12 is where we'll start out. Matthew, Mark. There it is. So we're going to, I'm going to, the, the, uh, TV screens show in Mark 12, 31. I'm going to start a few verses prior to that as I read. If you brought your Bible, you're good. If not, you'll just have to listen. You can follow along with me. So we're starting in Mark 12, 28 and read through verse 31. So let's do that. <clears throat> and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? So these guys wanted to know. From Jesus himself, which commandment is the most important? And Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now that's a scripture that found way back, I think in Deuteronomy. It's called the Shema. Every Jewish child, every Jewish family learned this scripture and learned this is how they learned about God, and how they learned that the God is the God is one. But then Jesus goes on and says, "The second is this: You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these." So these two commandments are the greatest commandments that Jesus gave us. They're the greatest commandments from God: love God and love others. And you know what? A lot of times when I hear people arguing scripture and arguing this and that and theology and the depths of all that, sometimes I just think, man, if I could just learn how to love God and love my neighbor, I think life would be good. I don't think I need to get into all the theology, all the depths of that. If I can learn how to love God and love my neighbor, wow, what a difference that could make. What a difference that could make. So that's what Jesus is telling us to, here in the scripture, to, to love God and to love others. And not only, though, did Jesus tell us that, it wasn't like he just told us this great commandment and walked away and went back to heaven. No, he showed us. He showed throughout his life here on earth what it's like to love your neighbor like you love yourself. He showed people that they matter. He showed people that they have value. Jesus was so good at seeing someone and meeting their need. But not only did he meet a physical need, but he looked at them and he talked with them. And when they left that encounter with Jesus, when they left that time with Jesus, they knew they were valuable. They knew that God valued them. That's what 
makes all the difference in the world. And that, that's one of the things, you know, one of GCC's values that we have is that people matter. People matter. Not only to God, but to us. If people matter to God, then they have to matter to us also. So we have to live a life that shows that people matter. People matter to God and people matter to us. And we can see that in, in some of Jesus' teaching. We can see that in a whole lot of Jesus' teaching. And it becomes obvious that people matter to God. When we read parables, the, some of the stories that Jesus told when he was here on earth, the, the parable of the lost sheep, where he showed us that, that shepherd who would leave the 99 and go for that one sheep that was lost. How important, how valuable that is, and that God does that for us. The parable of the lost coins where the lady sweeps her house because she's lost one coin. The value of that one that was worth cleaning the whole house to find the one. Then there's the prodigal son. The value of that prodigal son. The value of that one who walked away, didn't want anything to do with the father or with his household or with anything to do with the father. But he was welcome to come back. Jesus' miracles that he performed. He performed those miracles for people because people mattered. He had compassion on them. There's so many uh, times in Scripture where Jesus performs a miracle or Jesus sees people, and Scripture tells us, and he had compassion for them. He cared about them. They meant something to him. They, value, they were valuable to him. Compassion. We can even see it in the Old Testament where God's great love for his people, leading them out of captivity, putting men and women like Esther and Joseph and David and Isaiah in positions where they could lead because he cared about his people. They cared about him. God loves his people. Even from the beginning of the ages in Genesis 1, we, we see where God created us. He created us in his image and in his likeness. He created us like him. You know, he didn't create the dogs like him or giraffes or elephants. Those are all beautiful and great creatures, but he created us like him in his image, in his likeness. And why did he do that? Because he loved us, because we're valuable to him, because he cares about us. And then we see with Adam and Eve in the garden where God would spend time with them. He'd walk with them in the cool of the evening in the garden, spend valuable time loving on them, caring about them, hearing them, talking to them. God's great love for mankind. It shows up everywhere. It shows up everywhere. Look around at creation and see God's great love for us. It's everywhere. It's evident. <clears throat> even before creation, even before the creation story, there's a proverb, <clears throat> Proverbs 8. It talks, it's a little bit of a foreshadowing or a foretelling of Jesus. And it talks about Jesus in, in words that are a little bit abstract, but it's pretty obvious when you read it that you see that, that the writer is talking in, about for, the foretelling of Jesus. And in verses 30 and 31 of Proverbs 8, it says, I was beside him. This is Jesus, the likeness of Jesus. I was beside him like a master workman. So Jesus was beside God the Father as he was creating all this beautiful stuff that he's created for us. So Jesus was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight. Jesus was daily God's delight. God delighted him daily, rejoicing before him always. And listen to this, rejoicing in his inhabited world. That's us. Jesus was rejoicing in us and delighting 
in the children of man. Jesus delights in us. Jesus delights in us. He takes delight in all that we are. He takes delight because we're created in his image, in his likeness. He, we are valuable to God. And I want every one of you to know today, if, if you feel like you're not valuable to someone in this world, if you're not valuable and you feel like people treat you in a way that's not valuable, God values you enough to call you his daily delight. He loves you enough to create this world for a place for you to be. And he gives you a purpose and he gives you a life because he loves you and he values you. Please know that. So Jesus is God's delight and he delights in us every day, every day. And that goes back to what we talked about with the, that song about overcoming and, and the accuser of our soul who tries to tell us that we're worthless and that we're no good and that our stories, our stories um, um, disengage us from God. Our stories are going to prevent us from, from being close to God. Our stories are going to prevent us. They're going to embarrass us. They're going to cause us problems. The enemy of our soul would tell us that. But Jesus has overcome. Jesus uses those same stories that the enemy would try to use against us. He turns them around. He says, no, you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. You'll overcome by those very stories that the enemy is trying to accuse you and tell you that you're worthless for. You can overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. You can even see that in the Easter story. Jesus died for you and for me. He died for the apple of his eye. He didn't have his life taken from him. He gave it up. He gave his life up for us, going beyond what any of us would consider doing for someone else. He died for us. Greater love has no man than he lays down his life for his friends. Jesus did that for us because we're valuable to him. He cares about us. Now, let's look at it this way. If I'm valuable to Jesus, then so are you. If I'm valuable to Jesus, then so are you. So are those people right out there outside living in our town. So is that neighbor across the street, that neighbor next door that cranks up their lawnmower at 6.30 on a Saturday. Jesus loves them. They're valuable to him. He cares about them just as much as he cares about me. And he wants us to treat them with value also. Jesus wants us to be like him, right? He, he raises us up. He trains us to be like him. He's taught us to be like him. So he wants us to treat others like they're valuable. He wants us to show others the value that God has in them. So how do we do that? How do we show people how valuable they are to God? How can we go that one extra step? That one extra step just to show someone that you have value, that God loves you. He cares about you. I think that part of that deal is that we have to spend time with them. We have to spend time with them. We have to spend time with that neighbor who we find a little bit annoying. We have to spend time with that neighbor whose <clears throat> dog poops in our yard and we really don't like it. So we have to get to know who they are. We have to spend time with those neighbors that have that party, you know, on Saturday night, that loud party, and we're not real comfortable with it. But we have to spend time. We have to get to know them. Look at Jesus. How many times was he accused of hanging out with tax collectors and sinners? Hanging out with the wrong crowd. He was even accused of being a drunkard. Because I think Jesus went to some pretty good parties. 
And I think he made a difference there too. I don't think he was afraid to go to a party. I don't think he would have been afraid to go across the street to the, to the neighborhood block party because they might have a little bit of beer there. I don't think Jesus would have been afraid of that. I think he would be right there and he would be showing them how valuable they are and how much he loved them. And I think that's what he calls you and me to do too. Because you see those Pharisees, those, those religious people that were uh, predominant in Jesus' day, those people that ran the church, the people who were very religious and very strictly followed the law of, of, of the Bible, the law of the Old Testament, they would have nothing to do with sinners and tax collectors. They would have nothing to do with them. They wrote them off because they didn't value them. They were sure that those, t- those sinners and those tax collectors didn't have any value to God So why should I value them? I'm going to write them off, and I'm not going to speak to them, and neither should you. They're just dirty sinners and tax collectors. But it's so interesting to know that so much of Jesus' time, so much of his time was spent ministering to tax collectors and sinners. That brings great pleasure to me to know that because I think I would have fit into one of those categories pretty well. Jesus went, spent so much time ministering to the tax collectors and the sinners. <clears throat> in Luke 19, we read the story about Jesus and Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was this tax collector. He was, and, and tax collectors back in the day, I mean, tax collectors today are probably bad enough. If you work for the IRS, sorry, but people don't tend to like the IRS too much, Right? But back in Jesus' day, tax collectors were like worse than sinners. Tax collectors were Jewish people who collected taxes for Rome, kind of the enemy who was um, um, uh, governing the Jewish, governing Israel at the time. So these tax collectors were Jewish. They worked for Rome, and their pay was all the extra money that they could collect over and above the taxes that they were owed. So they would basically rob in their own people to get rich, to make money. And so a lot of people consider this worse than a sinner. They were tax collectors. So Zacchaeus was this tax collector guy, and he hears Jesus coming through town. Zacchaeus, he, he was a wee little man. He was a short guy. And so he climbed up in a tree just to see Jesus, just so he could get an eye on Jesus, just so he could see him. And what does Jesus do? What do we do when we pass by our neighbor? Do we do that or maybe? No, Jesus looks up to him and says, Hey, Zacchaeus, get down. Come down out of that tree. Because I'm going to your house tonight. And I'm going to have dinner with you. Well, that's a pretty bold move, huh? I'm coming to your house today. It's Jesus reaching out to a neighbor. Why? Why does Jesus do this? Well, he tells us right at the very end of the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. I would encourage you to read that this week. Because Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's Jesus' mission. That's his mission statement. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's it. Those are Jesus' words that show us how we can live our lives. To seek and to save those who are lost. Those are the words that help when we created Grace Capital Church's mission statement to restore people, towns, and cities to seek and to save that which is lost. Our people, our towns, and our cities are lost. They are lost. 
And we're here to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus didn't point up at Zacchaeus and say, hey, Zacchaeus, love you, man. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Yeah. No. Jesus saw enough value in that dirty tax collector to call him down out of that tree and say, I'm going to go to your house and we're going to have a little party. I'm going to have some dinner with you and we're going to have some fun. And Zacchaeus was changed forever. If you read the story, Zacchaeus, a miraculous change of heart, all this money that he had overcollected, he paid back. Like fourfold, he paid back all this money because he had an encounter with Jesus who loved him, who valued him, and who was willing to spend time with him at his house and care for him and love on him. That same boldness that Jesus had, I'm coming to your house, it's the same boldness that we need to have. We need to have such boldness, right? We have the Holy Spirit in us. I'm not telling you you need to just tell everybody you're coming over to their house for dinner, but you might. I've done it before. I've done it before. There was a, a, a couple that they were living together. They weren't married. And I heard he was a pretty good cook. And I said, I'm coming over to your house for dinner. And I did. And we had a great time. And we talked about Jesus because they were valuable. God loves them just as much as he loves me. He doesn't love anybody any differently because of the situation they're in or because of the choices they made. He might hate those choices and there may be consequences to those choices that are going to come. But that person making that choice is valuable. He has great value to God, just like the one sheep that got away, just like the one key that was missing, I mean the one coin that was missing, or just like the prodigal son. Value, value. So how do we live this out? What does it mean for me to love my neighbor like I love myself? I don't think I have to send them to the barbershop. That might not be their thing. But I I think it does mean that I don't just, I'll pray for you. I love you. I'll pray for you. I care about you. Jesus loves you. No. I think it's much, much easier when I get into their life, when I speak to them, when I say hello, when I say, you know what? How are you? How are you doing? How is your family? Think of it this way. We all know about, those kids are having fun today, huh? <laughs> Thank God for our kids' workers, right? We have an amazing, in all seriousness, we have an amazing, amazing team of people working with our kids back there. Sounds like today might be a rough day, but they're doing a great job, and they love your kids. I can guarantee you that. They love your kids. And they're going to teach them about Jesus. Good days and bad days. All right. (coughs) Back to our neighbors. What happens if your neighbor is cooking, making a cake? I don't have enough sugar. I need some sugar. Are they comfortable? Do they know you well enough to come over next door and say, Hey, I'm out of sugar and I'm making a cake. Can I borrow some? How many of us know our neighbors that well? Or how many of us, maybe we're making a cake and we run out of sugar. Do we know our neighbors enough to walk next door and say, 
hey, can I borrow a cup of sugar? I'm making a cake, and I'll even give you a piece of cake afterwards if you'll let me borrow some sugar. Neighbor to neighbor. I'm not saying you need to go over there and preach a sermon and tell them all about Jesus and all this long, drawn-out thing. No, just go and say, could I have a cup of sugar? And smile at them and maybe make a little small talk, a little chit-chat and say, thank you. And say, you know what? If you ever need a cup of sugar, come over in my house. I'll be happy to share with you whatever you need. Or what if a neighbor, do our neighbors know us well enough? What if a neighbor is having a real crisis? Maybe a, a child who's very sick or a parent who's sick or a, a, a marriage that's in trouble. Do they know us well enough to come and say, will you help me? A family emergency. Who do they go to? Who do they go to? Do we know our neighbors well enough for them to come to us? Do we know our neighbors well enough for us to go to them? For some of us, this probably seems pretty simple because maybe you are living in a lifestyle where you know your neighbors and you're in great community around your neighborhood and that's awesome. I want to commend you on that. But for some of us, this is a big deal. It's a big deal because maybe we've lived next door to those same people for 17 years and we don't really know who they are. So here's how it can work. Here's how it can work. It can start pretty easy and it start pretty simple. What is your relationship with your neighbor? I'm talking about the ones living right around you. What's your relationship with them? Do you wave as you drive by? Is that, that as far as you go? Then maybe you can step it up a notch. Maybe you can go one step further and slow down and just say hello as you go by. Hello, how are you? Have a great day. Or maybe when you go for a walk in your neighborhood and your neighbor's out in the yard, what's your level of relationship there? Do you wave? Do you just try to keep going, try to avoid? Well, maybe you can step it up and go one step further and stop and say something crazy like, hello. (laughs) How are you? You have lovely flowers. Or your kids, they look like they're having so much fun out here in the yard. And just say something to them nicely. Show them that they have value. You're valuable to me. So I'll go one step further and I'll say hello. I'll speak. Or maybe you do that. Maybe you already are at that level in your relationship with your neighbor that you speak and you say hello. Then maybe you can step it up one notch and go one step further with them and maybe have them over for dessert or have them over for a meal or for coffee or or maybe, you know, everybody in New Hampshire has an outdoor fire pit, Right? Maybe you can invite your neighbors over and just say, come sit around the fire with us. Just chat. Get to know each other. If they want to bring a beer, let them bring a beer. Get to know them because they have value. They have value. Regardless of where they are in their life, regardless of what their story is, they have value. And you know, you really, to be a good neighbor, you don't have to be weird. You really don't. You just need to be friendly. You just need to be friendly and and go one step further to show people that they have value. You know, and we're pretty good at going that one step further with ourselves when we want to pamper ourselves. 
And it can work the same way with others. Just go one, one more step further. Love them a little bit more. Show them a little bit more how, how you love them. And as you do that, you'll learn their story. You'll learn what they struggle with. You'll learn what they celebrate. You'll learn how they celebrate. You'll learn the things that they enjoy the most, the things that they enjoy the least. And, and then they'll learn about you. At the same time, they'll learn about you. They'll, they'll learn about the things that you struggle with. We all struggle. We all have those things. They'll learn about those things that you celebrate. They'll learn about the things that you enjoy the most and that you enjoy the least. So when we're willing to be a friend, to be vulnerable, something special can happen. Something special can happen. It happened for Zacchaeus. It happened for him. Something special happened because Jesus cared enough about the guy who he considered his neighbor to go and have dinner with him. Because then we can introduce others to Jesus naturally. Naturally. It doesn't have to be some weird kind of a thing where we feel like we have to go and preach. We, we know somebody, oh, you struggle with that? Yeah. Let me tell you how I used to struggle with that too. I used to struggle with this and you know what? I found out that Jesus can help me. I found out that as I read scripture and it pour, the scripture pours into my life that I don't struggle with that as much anymore. It's that simple and it's stress-free because we know them and they know us because we love our neighbor and then our neighbor starts to love us. So when we focus on others and not ourselves, that's when those supernatural things can happen. When we focus on the other, when we, we try to get into the other's life and to know who they are and to let them know who we are. That's so important. That's so important. Let them know who you are. Let them know that you struggle. Let them know that your marriage isn't perfect, that you and your wife fight and you make up and you get over it and you move forward. Let them know that your kids get in trouble a little bit and sometimes they're naughty. Because as you do that, those walls come down. Friendships develop. And then they can see the things you struggle with and see that you overcome some of those struggles by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And you know what? I wish I could tell you that it would just be fun. But it'll be messy. It'll be messy because people are messy. I don't know about you. I'm a little messy. I got stuff. Kathy and I don't always get along. Sometimes we get a little cross with each other. It's usually her fault. I'll tell you. I have to be honest, right? But it happens. (laughs) She gets next week, right? But it'll be messy. Take my word for it. Because some of the struggles that your neighbor has might be hard. It might be hard. They might be in the middle of something that's devastating. And you're walking into it. And it's not fun and it's not pretty. But you're walking into it with Jesus. And you have some answers. You have some hope that you can bring into their lives. You might find out that some of the things that they celebrate might be things that you don't necessarily celebrate yourself or 
even agree with. But these people have value. They have value. If I have value to God, they've got to have value to God. You might find out that that some of the things that they enjoy doing might be those very things that you try to stay away from because maybe you're a little religious about some things. But you know what? Those things, those people, those neighbors, they're valuable. And Jesus loves them. And I can imagine when Jesus went over to Zacchaeus' house, it wasn't just lemonade and cookies. Zacchaeus may have had a few other things there that Jesus wouldn't necessarily partake of, but he was there and he showed Zacchaeus that he had value anyway. Zacchaeus, the person, you have value. Ours is not to judge. Ours is to love our neighbors like we love ourselves. Really, it sounds pretty simple. Love God, love others. But why do we make it so hard? We're surrounded by people, all of us, not just here today, but in our homes, in our neighborhoods. We have people all around us. And a lot of these people, a lot of these people are treated as if they have no value. They're treated as if they have no values by friends or employers or family or parents or children, school systems. They want to treat like we have no value. And they desperately, they desperately just want somebody to value them. They desperately want to know how much Jesus loves them and how much value he places in their life. And we have that. We have that. We know that Jesus values them. He went the extra step for them. He went one more step for them. He went to the cross. And we also know that that he uses us as this vehicle to bring this value, this hope, this love to others. So surely, surely this week we can go that extra step. We can go one more step with our neighbor to show them how valuable they are to us and to God. So who is your Zacchaeus? (coughs) Who is your Zacchaeus that this week you can sit down with and get to know? This week you can go one step further and say hello instead of just wave. Acknowledge that somebody is there and that they have a family and that you care about them, that they're valuable. So that the challenge then for this week, for all of us, is to go one step further. Just one step further. Whatever your current relationship is with your neighbor, one step further. That's not too intimidating. It doesn't require us to get too far out of our comfortable spot. Because we don't want to get uncomfortable, right? No, we do. We want to get out of our comfort zone and love people like Jesus does. Just one step further. Set yourself a goal for this week. Just one step further. Think of that neighbor. You're probably thinking of them right now. That you can go one step further with. So let's commit to go one step further. To let Jesus' love shine through us. So that we can be a blessing to our neighbor this week. So that we can be a blessing to that single mom who lives a couple of doors down. And she struggles. We can see it. We can see it on her face. We can see it in her kids' behaviors. We can see it in the way she 
maintains her house. She's struggling. Let's reach out to that older neighbor who maybe their house is a little disrepair because they can't. They either have, don't have the resources or don't have the energy or don't have the strength. Let's reach out to those neighbors. One step more, just one step more and bless our neighbors. So that's the challenge. One step further this week. And as you go to your life group this week and as you talk about it, celebrate. Celebrate the one step you took. Celebrate the blessing that you brought to a neighbor, to someone who loves, someone who you love, someone who Jesus values. One step further. One step further. Amen. I'd like to pray for you all before we're dismissed. Pray that you would give, that you would have uh, strength, courage to just go one step further with your neighbor. Can we all stand as we pray? There's a way of committing to going one step further. Lord, we're here together. We're committing, Lord. We're going to go one step further with our neighbor. We're going to show our neighbor or those people that you have placed into our lives those people that, you, that we see across the street every day, that we're going to go one step further and show, Lord, how valuable they are to you and how valuable they are to us. And, Lord, we're going to look for that Zacchaeus. We're going to look for that Zacchaeus that you put into our life that we can say, hey, we're going to spend time with you because Jesus loves you, and I do too. <clears throat> so, Lord, give us courage. Give us whatever it takes to get out of that comfortable spot that we love to be in. Lord, so that we can show others how much, how much, Father, you love them and how much you value them. That they're your daily delight. That you care about them, that you give them purpose, that you give them meaning. Father, that you use us as a vehicle to bring that hope, that light into their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. Love your neighbor. Go one step further. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> we will have elders and prayer leaders down here. If, if you would like prayer for anything, for healing, for a situation you're going through, you're welcome to come up and we'll have some elders and leaders here to pray with you. Amen. Have a great week. Stay warm. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 